Hey everybody, welcome to the absolutely fantastic first episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I am Jeff and I have cool friends. I am so excited to be here with you and thank you so much for joining me on this fantastic journey. That felt weird to say. Anyway, I have a cool friend and I'm so excited to bring him to your attention. This is one of my closest friends, a fantastic artist, an amazing person, and the only person from an episode of Sideshow Sideshow to get canceled twice. My fault, not his. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Chris Umenga. Chris, how you doing, bud? Good, buddy. How are you? Good. I had to have you on as my first guest. I love I, it. I absolutely did because over the summer, we did record an episode and we had cool. some corporate barricades where I... <laughs> We had talked, and and we will talk more, but essentially, okay. I was told that I I can't say that Tim Burton made McDonald's angry for Batman Returns, like that. And he's like, you can't say that happened, and I'm like, but that is what happened. And like, but you said a swear during it. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. So uh, we're not allowed to. So now the, everything's free. Yeah, free for all. I think people think that because I am unencumbered now, because there's no mm. like corporate shackles, that I'm all of a sudden going to become some like edge lordy Howard Stern immediately. And I'm like, no, mm. that's not how it's going to go. It's just that I'm allowed to have an opinion about pop culture now. And yep. they're just like, well, hey, we sell a statue of the thing and you can't say it's bad. <laughs> See, like, that was the thing about Stern. Like, I'm a big Stern fan. And when he was on normal radio, crazy, shock-chocky, goes to Sirius, calms himself down because he doesn't have that need to you know, try to push the envelope so much. So. What he also had, and this is important, too, is $100 million. And that gives you That's the true. ability to just not have to try to get the attention. Yeah. The first episode we, so we, we did of that, the lost episodes, I will say. <laughs> too hot for TV. Right? Too, too hot for TV. Order your VHS now, 1999. Hosts gone wild. So I was like, okay, fine. So I recorded one that was aggressively positive. Yeah. And, and it was too positive. Well, I think I would have gotten away with it, except in the middle of the show, you said, there's no way they're going to let you get away with this. And I was like, <laughs> you're blowing up my spot. <laughs> I think the thing that made that happen was I said, okay, on a scale of greatest movie of all time to greatest movie of all time, rank the Terminator movies. And you were like, they're not going to, they're not going to let this happen. No, I think it would have worked. I think it would have been very funny because the joke was good and nobody knew the reason that it was so right. positive other Except than like the people listening. Yeah. Other. Well, even like the listeners wouldn't have noticed it. No, only but the, like the editors it, and it was only one person. Okay. And they were like, a message received. And I was like, what message exactly? But anyway, this is not about the thing that happened last year. This is about you. You are a fantastic artist. We go back Thanks. about, I'd say, 10 years or so. Oh, about, about 10 years. Oh, man. It's been too long. I was talking, I was talking about you the other day. Oh, um, uh, we did a private watch party. Like we rented out the whole theater Ooh. to go see Godzilla Kong. What? How was that? Oh, my God. So good. So good. But like, that's now the only way I can go to the movies. Like, is renting is an over, entire theater? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you get, we had about eight people and everybody sat really far apart from each other, but it still broke down to be about the same cost as going yeah. normally. Yeah. This and, theater uh, renting thing is kind of spoiling us a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was bringing you up and I was like, then I was thinking on the drive home, I'm like, when did I first meet Jeff? And it was C2E2. And I was like, man, that was. I don't even ago. know if it was C2E2 because we well, have. Or is it Boston? We have a connection through Bob Shaw 
previous guest of Sideshow Sideshow, and he was, I yeah. believe at your time, like a, a manager or something or, or friend or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and introduced us. And yeah. so I'm guessing it was probably at like something in Boston or some a smaller con or maybe like a Philly or something like that. Yeah. But we got along really well. We uh, clicked. We, we clicked. And it's funny because we click very well and we have a lot of diametrically opposite opinions about the things that we enjoy and the pop culture yep. we consume. Although I will say this, you and I have the same opinion about Godzilla versus Kong because that movie was a blast it was so good dude it's uh, I, it's everything I, I, you could have wanted out of that concept it's a mm-hmm. movie that has verses in the title yeah. like you're you can't expect much from a movie with verses in the title and yet they gave me everything that i wanted yeah when well spoiler stuff but when someone showed up you know yeah i lost my mind because i never thought I would see that character. Uh, yeah. That's kind of a thing I, that will happen. Some Like in movies, they have to shock you at some point in time. They have to give you a post credit scene in your movie now. Like they, they, but there they, wasn't one for this one. No, was but they're taking it and now they're putting it in the movie. They're right. like, here's the thing that we would have put at the end, but we're just, we're not Marvel. We're going to put it in the movie now. It is I just want there to be a bunch more. I just want. Yeah, I'm good with like, if they do like two more, I'd be like, I'm, I'm fine with this. If they want to like start again, I'm okay with it. We were just like joking. It's going to be like Godzilla and Kong versus like the Fast and the Furious crew. Yeah, there's <laughs> got to be something. Voltron. I'm going to think that it would have to be like Ultraman or if they bring out like Jet Jaguar, which would be a weird and interesting choice. I mean, it would not a weird choice because it's a character in the mythos. But that being said, like it definitely had the sort of both 70s and 90s vibes of the films yeah. and it, it pulled it off very well. It didn't try to over explain something. It didn't try try to like dark and gritty it up too much it was mm-hmm. just like hey this is we're just gonna be fun this is gonna be a good time and that you're gonna get some good monster fighting that to me is something that i really like is when they're like this is gonna be fun you're gonna have a good time and then there are other movies and there are movies that you have a lot of fun with and i'm just yeah. like this is isn't fun right now and that's where like you and i will get into a compliment text thread where it's just like hey man yeah. just thinking about you you're great within eight texts that becomes like here's what you don't <laughs> understand about batman versus superman okay right, Zack Snyder right. didn't want it to be fun okay he wanted it to be gr- you know like it always boils okay. down to some kind of Snyder verse argument which is fun and I, I'm fascinated by the passion of mm. the Snyder fans I am I absolutely am that is not being derisive at all not a fan of how some of them behave on the internet you know you can't That's say a street though they speak for all there is definitely I, I want to talk because most recently obviously we're talking about Godzilla versus Kong so you all can probably yeah. figure out when this is coming out if you're listening to it in the future we are about what three weeks post Snyder cut I think two weeks. Two or three weeks. Yeah, it's like... Two or three weeks. Yeah. What did you think of that? I want to know. You did. I legitimately loved every second of that movie. And there were a lot of seconds in that movie. Well, that's the thing. So it's long. Sure is. But it's not not ridiculously long when you compare it to Endgame was three hours. So three plus. It is a third longer than Endgame. An entire third. um, It's an hour. but, But this is like he's getting one shot to show it all. Boy, did he. He sure did show it all, yeah. But think about what he was able to accomplish in that four hours. He took a character that was completely destroyed in the 
Whedon cut built him up to be this amazing focal point of the movie like he was supposed to be that's cyborg yes which was great and then he took the flash and gave the flash you know some of the things that were missing in the first one he made him smarter he really showed his intelligence he gave him a really terrific hero moment at the end of the movie it removed a lot of the the goofiness running with superman at the end but also we got we got a preview of the atom we got martian manhunter Got I would like to, I would like to add the the Martian Manhunter thing though like nothing about the Martian Manhunter scenes was actually like making sense like there were a lot of things where yeah. there's a line where he's like they call me the Martian Manhunter and as I'm watching I just went who calls you that John who is who calls you that I think that's for a casual fan who doesn't know the cartoon who doesn't watch Supergirl who doesn't okay I will say sure then mm-hmm. also. The beginning of the movie, they talk about how Darkseid got absolutely bodied by the inhabitants of Earth, right? Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, people are like, yeah, but that wasn't Darkseid. And yet, the whole time, they're like, and his name was Darkseid. And there, there was no... And so, like, there's stuff where, like, the, he's painting by numbers for casual fans. And then there's other yeah. things where people are like, ah, actually, idiot... That was Uxus, and it wasn't him. And if you've read the entirety of The New Gods, and you've read this and this and this in Infinite Crisis, then you'd know, you fucking idiot. And I'm like, okay, well, there. so there seems to be this dichotomy of, like, something that is overly obvious in the film, and then something mm-hmm. that's like, well, if you didn't know that, you're just not a fan. But don't you love that? Like, I love that they're spoon-feeding to someone who's not familiar, but then there's Granny Goodness, who's... You know, granny goodness, who looked like Jesse Plemons for a second. I was like, is that Jesse Plemons? (laughs) The idea of granny goodness being there. I was like that. I was like, oh, cool. They put granny goodness in there. That's neat. I wasn't a person. Here's the thing is I always want a movie to be good, especially when that movie is 40 hours long. I'm like, well, I I want to like this. So you watched it straight through or did you watch it in the installments? Both. I watched it straight through first because I do for the other show for Tom and Jeff watch Batman. We're doing it in four parts. So, you know, like I watched it straight through for my first watch. And then my second mm-hmm. watch is I watch chapters one and two, and then I take my notes and then I do three and four, take my, so like, it's that process. And there are scenes like, and I've said this before to you, I think Ben Affleck is great as Batman. I actually, Best Batman ever. I really, I agree. I don't agree that the movies are great, but I like him in them. So I like yeah. those things. Well, I, he's Frank Miller's Batman. Ish. Like, yeah. He's, he's he was, the older Batman who's been through the wars and it's, I think it's tired of it. I think it's that, but I don't think he's Frank Miller's Batman. He's Zack right. Snyder and Ben Affleck's Batman, but with he, a hint of with things. with the hint of age and the armor from Batman versus Superman, which I think ties into that. Oh, the, come on, the Bat Tank. Yeah, I mean, yes. See, that's another little Easter egg where if you're a, a real like hardcore, you're like gonna lose your mind when you see that. I went crazy. There's a lot of it's called the Snyder Cut. It's an assembly cut. It's like everything he ever filmed. And then they were just like, and this this is the movie. Yeah. And we're gonna add some more. But I think we talked about that in the text is as we're both creative people, right? And it would just be the same thing of like if you're working on a project forever, and then all of a sudden someone comes in and says, you know what, you, we're gonna finish it for you. And that's it. If you were working on a a set or a joke or something, and then someone comes in and goes, "Uh, I know better. I'm going to come up with the punchline. And then you're like, what the fuck? You would want to get a chance to to finish it, especially if you know this is it for you. You're never going to get another chance to work with these characters, work with the property. You've come out and said it. That joke will be the last bit that I do on that topic. Yeah. Right. So you want to kind of go out and say, this is everything I wanted to give you. This is everything I wanted to, to do. 
and I wish I could do more, except they won't let me. Here's what I would tell you, is that what I would not do is make my final bit rambling. I would be, the economy of words is important in storytelling, and Mm-hmm. It's just a part of it. And I definitely feel like that was lost in there. Like, it's a four hour movie. And, like, anybody who makes a four hour movie, in my opinion, as a personal opinion, should go to jail. You should, no, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. So, if you were watching Endgame and it was four hours, you would have been upset? I would have been like, why did this need to be four hours? Yeah, I would not I mean, have. They, they said there was a six hour cut of Endgame. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. You would watch it, though. I watched this. That doesn't mean that I was like, this is great. Like, I wouldn't want to watch it. I think you'd be more gung-ho to watch a six-hour endgame. I think the Russos are better storytellers than Snyder. Like, kind. I think it depends on the subject matter. Mm, I mean, no, they're better. Are the dead? Okay, here's what I'll tell you. I think Zack Snyder is a phenomenal cinematographer. I think that his eye is fantastic. I think his storytelling is not. But that's not to say that he doesn't make beautiful things. Yeah. He does. He I, sure does. I think it just it just goes to that that thing. It's two different styles of comic book movie. It it is. You know, and it, that's basically it. And it's like, one of I the, wouldn't want to see a Marvel version of the crow. Like no. do you want to see a Marvel? <laughs> like, no, no. I also wouldn't want to see a four hour version matters. of the crow either. So like there's oh. <laughs> and that's okay and that might you know skull cowboy man there are lots of reasons for <clears throat> these things like i'm not the person to think that if you like something you're an idiot yeah i do have opinions on how people behaved about it i think the like the hashtag crew mm. there was a lot of toxicity in that and i don't that's i don't f- with toxic fandom in any way but so without getting into specifics mm-hmm it's a two-way street because there's plenty of other fandoms where you know fans clamor for a certain thing and they really want it really really want it i will say this i am also not a fan of the people that were angry at wandavision for i think wandavision was a a perfect storytelling and the people that were like but this is what i wanted and i'm like i don't give a what you wanted because that's not what this is i well i think it's wandavision was was really slow start for me like i'm not mm-hmm. really attached to the characters, the characters. Yeah. so i watched it and it lost interest after the first episode and then i i said oh there's there's a bunch in the bag now so i'll sit through and i got into it and i think like everybody else when you know quicksilver shows up they tease multiverse yeah. and everyone is like now the expectations are so high like everyone has a theory like what is this now because you know the next doctor strange is what the mm-hmm. multiverse of madness so when you do set the bar of expectation that high and then you pull the rug out from everyone with the boner joke you can expect some people to be kind of upset about it let me tell you i like a red herring i really do mm-hmm. i like when things subvert fan expectations Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that I take umbrage with the most is when fans think that they are allowed to control their entertainment. Play a video game if that's what you want. No. no. At a certain point, they are because they don't have to watch it. They don't buy a ticket. True. don't get made. You don't have to continue reading the book. But that doesn't mean that you get to write the book as you're reading it. And that... Yeah, it's not choose your own adventure. That's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. There are those. First ever overdue library book that I ever had. Still have it. I think I have mine. It's The Mystery of Bigfoot, and it was due August of 1990, and I still have that. And sometimes I will tweet at the Charlton, Massachusetts Public Library and be like, come and get it. 
I still got it. Come and get it. They're going to send Bookman after you. The Brute Squad, yeah. I am the Brute oh, Squad. Yeah. But I've said this before, and I will say it again. I believe entertainment, specifically like fiction, like narrative storyline, mm -hmm. it is not a car to drive. It's a roller coaster to ride. And the minute that people think they should be allowed to steer the roller coaster removes the entire idea of what this is now. Yeah, because you're basically dictating a creative process and, yeah. and taking it away from someone. And that's what I, that's the Snyder Cut thing for me is like, you know, he had a vision and then it was like, make it under two hours so we can fill the seats. Oh yeah, your, your daughter killed herself. So this is our excuse to now bring in someone who, you know, wanted to cut everything out. I think there was a, there was definitely a mutual uncoupling between oh, yeah, Snyder totally. and, and Warner at that point in time. One of the things that, you know, it's funny because I want to talk about you. <laughs> like I have yeah. you on because I want to talk about Sorry. you. And this is always where we go because we're both so strongly opinionated about oh, that. Yeah. I think there is a haste behind Warner Brothers mm -hmm. that Marvel didn't necessarily have. Like Marvel was a bit more patient in what they were going to give us at a time. And they reached well, massive success with that. And Warner's like, well, we want the Avengers. So we yeah. need to get that like soon. If you think now, if Disney had owned Marvel before Iron Man, how different everything would be. Like you wouldn't have gotten Iron Man to begin with. Maybe like, not. You wouldn't have had that. You wouldn't have had that nice build. No, there's no way sure, Disney yeah, would have like, hired Robert Downey Jr. back in during that time to be. Of course. Head of, no, it would have been Tom Cruise or I mean, someone. They, I remember Tom Cruise in, in Wizard magazines in the 90s. Yeah. They oh were saying God. he I wants to do it. It was and, like the casting call. Jim Carrey was yeah. going to be Peter Parker. Glenn Danzig was Wolverine. I think about those. I did an episode of Sideshow Sideshow with Jim McLaughlin of the Hero Initiative, mm. who used to be an editor of Wizard. And I yeah. used to be like, man, those casting calls, I was it was just like, who is important now? Clint Eastwood is cable. Let's go for it. Wouldn't you love to see that though? Clint Eastwood is cable? Like back then. Like, no, go back. No, not, not really, now. because not Clint Eastwood was always like he always had a real hundred and eighteen pound vibe for me mm -hmm. at that time, where I was always like I couldn't picture this guy being like a big military guy anymore because he's he looks like a stiff breeze will take him out, and that's really where he went at that point in time moving forward. Like he made yeah. Unforgiven, where he was like I'm old, I'm over this, and this is hard for me, kind of a thing. Have you seen the Mule? Uh, I still haven't seen the Mule. I need to see the Mule. I bet it's, it's good. Great. He's a good filmmaker. He seems like kind of a dick, but he makes some good movies sometimes. Oh, I've become uh, much more of a Clint Eastwood fan as he's gotten older. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I got dragged to Pale Rider and I got, I'm not a really big fan of Good, Bad and the Ugly. Like Chrissy's a huge fan of that. Oh, the spaghetti um, Western stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but as he's gotten older, I, I started to like the mule I really liked and I love Gran Torino. And well, he's a very, like he's not, he's a good storyteller. I was going to say he's a nuanced storyteller. And then you said Gran Torino and I was like, well, that's not very nuanced, but he is a great storyteller and he's a great director and uh, deserves the accolades that he gets for those things. I certainly agree. I actually really enjoyed Richard Jewell. Yeah, uh, we, I watched that and I was really surprised how much I, I really liked it. Shout out to. And I felt so bad for that dude, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Paul Walter Hauser really murdered that role. He killed it, man. Former guest of the Satchio Satchio, Paul Walter. Oh, really? Hauser. Oh, yeah. He was my second to last guest. So my he was in a my last was guest was Ricky Whittle from okay. American Gods, and then it was Paul Walter Hauser before that. So I brought two of like the biggest working actors, and then they're like, "But we're not going to work together anymore." He was in a movie we watched on Netflix with uh, I forgot what his name is, but he showed up in it, and I was really excited. Speaking of really exciting, I want to talk about your art because sure, that's buddy. kind of what I want to talk to you about. Okay. But of course, Let's everything devolves into an argument about the Snyderverse, and we don't have to do that. 
We really yeah. don't. We but should. Although I want to get you on an episode of Tom and Jeff Watch Batman to discuss it. I think that would be Ooh. really fun. I think that would be good. But I want to talk, your art, uh, you have a very unique style. And for Mm. those of you that are listening now, if you are on your phone or on your computer, you should look up Chris's art because it is very unique. Often aped, often swiped. You are are one of the most bootlegged artists in the world, (laughs) which is such a dubious distinction to have. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Uh, Sometimes very flattered, sometimes very angry complimented yeah but a lot of times depending on the context of how it's used angry yeah because like there's something there's a store in downtown disney it's not owned by disney but the week it opened there's these big pictures on the wall and i got so many messages so many emails is this your work is this your work is this your work and i look at it and i lost my mind i was so angry but it wasn't mine but there's nothing i can do about it because it's heavily influenced by not my comic book stuff but my personal work oh really and that really bummed me yeah that really bummed me out so somebody saw you took from you made took money off of and took from you personally and made money off well, of it i don't know if they're making money but it's the decor of a store Mm-hmm. It sets the tone of what the store is, and it, it really bummed me out. It's the first time I ever was like, kind of felt really deflated about it. So, what did you do about that? Like, I'm, I'm wondering now, like, <laughs> what, what do you, what would one do? Because I know what I would do, and what I would do is not healthy. So, like, I'm wondering what. That's you- the thing. So, yeah, I, ha- I always have to keep my temper in check when it comes to this stuff because one time at a convention, I, I almost lost my mind on someone really and uh, go on you had to stop me what was that well tell me that i I do want to hear that story so my dad had just passed away and i had to go to a convention in california for something yeah so my cousin lives out there so i got to see her and i'm still dealing with all the stuff with my pop and i'm sitting at my table and my sister's texting me about something so i have my head down and i'm responding to something that needs to be taken care of and i get a message talking about how i'm a piece of for ignoring this person that they want to spit on me next time they see me and was it me I, did, no, I, was did it? i send you the message because that sounds like something <laughs> i would send you but i like I, i'm sitting on the plane and i get this and, and i have the person's name and i have their email address and my first instinct is to just become a savage and go all so know, this is somebody you them. know personally no i, have, I don't oh. know who, who this person was at all it was a stranger and um when everything happened with my dad i had so many nice people reach out to me and check on me and and everybody i think in my life even outside of my life knew what was going on and i don't think this person you know necessarily knew but i you know i think people fail to realize is that you have a life back at home sometimes and you're not doing it to be a dick. I'm not texting, you know, I'm not checking my Instagram, but yeah. just to give someone a breather. So I wrote this horrifically awful response that was not something I would have been proud to have shared. And thank God Chrissy stopped me. <laughs> She's and <laughs> Chrissy, your partner, Chrissy Zulo, also a fantastic yeah. artist and also very level headed, very kind, very, uh, very, empa- calm. very empathetic. She's, we balance each other out perfectly. And. I love her very much for that. And uh, so when the we were about to take off on the plane and she said, just wait till we land. And when we landed, I got to perspective and I then I responded not to the person per se, but I responded just in general. Like, hey, guys, if, if I seem distant and you see me at a show, it's not because of this. It's because of this. So please just be patient with me while I deal with everything. And you're like, and then I killed like, that guy. Like, that's the level of kind of anger I had, like where if that person had said something to me in person. I probably would have gotten arrested. I could see that. I remember an interesting story where Tom Whalen and Dave Perillo, 
Great artist as well. Oh, I love Dave Prill. Very unique styles as well. Often imitated, never duplicated. They found a, one of those bootlegging print guys mm. at a con, and they made him tear up all of his copies of their work nice. in front of them. I saw the photos of them all ripped up in the trash, and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty good. Well, one time I went to Frankenson's. Yeah, Frankenson's uh, is a, like- it's essentially like a collectible flea market that's open on Wednesdays and Saturdays in <sighs> California. It's heaven. It's it's like... It is. It's one of those places where people are like, if you're a nerd and you go to LA, take the 25-minute drive to Frankenson's. <laughs> I rushed there. I had a signing at Disney and I rushed there afterward. I only got about 15 minutes in there because the hours are so crazy. They're so weird. Want something weird? But, um, I've never been. Yeah, so you've never been? I haven't. I've never had like the time or impetus to go i think you'd be in trouble if you went i think so too although i've pulled myself away from collectibles the less space i have yeah the le- the more i'm just like well i don't have room for that dude i have i've been doing yeah i have so much credit at sideshow and i'm like i don't even know what to do with this because like do you know how much that costs to ship stuff <laughs> i know but Sideshow is they is. make some cool shit man i mean i got stuff right behind me i got lots of cool that i got from them but i'm like well where would i put any of this stuff if i had it? i have a baby yoda sitting still in the box just in in the other room I'm like i don't know where i would put it go grogu it's a weird Grogu. choice for a name but okay i was just like when they said the name i was like oh it sounds a lot like Groot. in it's my called- when they said the name i was like was that what we needed did we need that information? It would have been like, it's just like, hey, this is Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this right Bob. here, it's uh, Phil Johnson. <laughs> he works for Commerce Insurance. Yeah. <laughs> this is Dr. Smith. Yeah, I have to cut back on, on all my stuff. But we were went to Frank and Sons and walking around and I see a booth. Got, got a bunch of my stuff. You know, I was with someone, a friend who was a little bit more persuasive with having them take it down and destroy it. But, you know, the, the idea was, oh, I found it on the Internet. I thought it was for it was up for grabs. And I, that's a lot of the times you hear, too. It's, it's like, oh, I found it on Pinterest. Or, art theft is something that I think the current generation, like the younger generation now, doesn't care about. As much. The idea that everything is accessible and free means that it should just be free. And that in fury, I remember I had Worldstar took one of my tweets, chopped my name out of it and posted it on their And I was like, I was like, well, why would you just take something from me and not give me the it's it's nothing to leave me in. And there were a couple of reasons that I theorized why. And I noticed that they did occasionally leave the author's faces on there, but they were always authors of color. And I was like, oh, because you're World Star, you don't need this f-ing face representing World Star and what you're sharing. But at the same time, I was like, but also, what the f- man? And then people were like, oh, big deal. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's not a big deal. I'm like, well, that's because you are a f- loser, and you don't well, come up with clever shit. exposure. Exposure. There's no exposure like, when you take no from exposure because they cut your name off. Yeah, you, they pulled the Uminga signature off. They pulled my. F- name off like i don't mind when something goes viral and it goes everywhere i do like that exposure i don't hate it and i don't expect to be paid for a tweet but what i do want nft man we got i got some friends that are diving into that and i was just like oh man i don't know if this is a good idea i won't touch it it seems off 
It seems like it a weird seems, thing. It just seems not worth the the damage you're doing is not worth the, the money in the long run. Yeah, that perspective. It's a very short-sighted perspective, it seems, all things considered. But there's that. Now, your stuff has been everywhere. I see it all over the place, and it, it tickles me. I mean, you've had hey, statues man. made. You had a line with DC. DC Collectibles. And RIP. Man, boy, did they change the name of that company 50 times, huh? Yeah. They're, they're like, now we're DC Direct. DC Direct. Now we're DC Collectibles. We're DC direct again also we don't exist anymore but you did a line with dc collectibles and it was like the first line that became very popular which was the artist series is that what it was called artist alley artist alley and it was you and a couple of other artists which eventually would be joined by chrissy Mm -hmm. the first wave was myself another artist named Nooligan and then another artist named uh, Show Morose and we were the first three to really launch this line where they went and they found artists in Artist Alley who had a different artistic perspective or take on, on characters and they took a chance and made some really cool little vinyls out of them. Yeah, they rolled and with that it. That was supposed to be followed with, with more series. Fun story and this is something interesting is that your line, it's not a part of Batman Black and White. Mm-hmm. However, when they released miniatures of the Batman Black and White pieces in pvc form yours is the only one that wasn't an original batman black and white that was reproduced in the small version and i missed out on the black and white chris uminga but i definitely got the small version of it saw it in the store i don't even have the mini you want me to mail it to you no that's yours buddy i can find one i don't like it that much (laughs) if i can be honest (laughs) no the, the sad thing about that is like there's plans for a lot more of them well, you did a Flash. You did Flash. Uh, Aquaman. Mm. Uh, R.I.P. So those never got produced, huh? Uh, Flash got produced. Well, I've Aquaman, seen Flash. Yeah. yeah, Aquaman was supposed to come out last year or was announced 2019. And then a bunch of stuff happened and he got put on hold. Mm-hmm. But I had done, I did designs for this bad grammar. I designed a bunch of the other JLA characters and, and hopefully they, someday. Yeah, I, I think that that is, e- it would be easy to reconvene that set. I want to take a minute right now. We're going to do a segment called, hey, these people are paying my bills. Hey, these people are paying my bills. So (laughs) I get to say their name. Not an official song yet. These are the producers of the show, the people that are in the VIP patron level of the Patreon. I'm going to say some names, Chris. You can react to them however you want. But the following people give me $10 a month at patreon.com slash Jeff May for me to say their name. So first off, we have normal man andrew mcguire this is a normal man chris okay he's not a bad dude he's normal david normal man david knife boot hinson dill havarti the guy told me to use my favorite cheese and so i did i'm a dill havarti fan what's your favorite havarti dill Havarti is my favorite Uh, cheese you're a brie guy I, I don't I don't I f- with a brie. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Norm from Cheers, excellent dude. Super, he's awesome. Annie Bankson, that's just her name. So we probably shouldn't comment on it because that would be weird, right? Doctor DNA, Woo, Doctor DNA. Martial Law, Dan Hackroyd, Funky J, Andrew, what a tool. Exploding Runes, The Ghost of Dave Thomas, Proto Clown. I get that reference. Do you get that reference? It's from the tick. No. It's from the tick cartoon. Mackenzie Chill. Dude has the best shoes in the game. I'm obsessed with it. He's got these pink shoes and they're incredible. Silius Ruby, JK, nerd numbers. Grumblebee, the most well-prepared dead guy. Davey Francis, Mike Gouts. Adam Wait, doesn't... Mike. Mike Gouts. Okay. Yeah. What was, what was the... Oh, gout. I thought like... Like he has gout? Like he, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he gives people gout? Is that what you thought? Because that would be fun. I don't know. I... 
if I hear gout, like I always think of Albert, my rep Albert Moy. I always make a joke to his brother that he has gout. Oh, well, I would like he, to. Please don't just stop that story. After your thing, you're like he's a he's a rich king in the 1500s, so he has gout. <laughs> Adam doesn't even like sports. That is a reference to my other podcast. You don't even like sports. Available on the Unpopular Opinion Network. Captain Fat Strong left. These seven bees. I don't understand. That's a good name. It, it is, but I don't understand where they come from, and I don't want to. Fastball at Chet's too, going back down to Rampart Street. Steven. I don't know where he came up with that one. I like that. Uh, Bart Fartigan, Mike Stanton. That dude's a goddamn all-star. El Seldo, Cody Beck, Billy Beck. Show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Grayman, renowned podcast producer Ian McClendon. Talon, at Sea Doctor Video. Cronenberger, Jennifer Fendelander, Cheswick, Bob Shaw. I bet you know Bob Shaw. He's a convention guy, sketch guy, toy guy. Okay. I guarantee you he's got work from you. I would I would put a thousand dollars on it. Jolly Buckaroo, Rudy Rueda, Russell Richardson, Local Man Gavin, Scarecrow's HR manager, Pivo, Rewind, Eaton's world famous Pecan Sandies, Nolan Matin. And Numano Ultramicroscopic Cilioso Volcaniconiosis Jones. Jeez, that's awesome. Uh, so th- those are all the people that donated $10 to that's the uh, Patreon. I probably should have amped that number up because it's a lot of names. I should probably have that's been, good, but it's a damn good list. That's and a solid all-star list, man. It is. And I'm looking forward to see what goofy ass names they show up with or if they just are like, just use my name you weirdo i'm surprised people aren't just putting their like handles they'd be oh like, yeah it's gonna be like i don't know find me out follow me on this Chris, at, yeah at uminga 720 for example would be a good example of that thousand bees so now you do you still you have had a lot of pieces through uh wonderland gallery which wonderground. is wonderground i'm sorry i'm here's the thing and this is very important i think you knew this but just to reinforce i'm very stupid <laughs> and i miss some things but i have seen your art at the wonderground gallery yeah. do you still work with them yeah i just did some new pieces that came out during orlando yeah because you know disneyland as a whole has been shut down for a year it sure so has and that, and that gallery was kind of mia so it's reopening now which is which is great everyone's kind of getting back to not that- normal but what what is going to be the new normal? The, the new normal, yeah. So yeah, Florida had no rules. Tans. Florida's no, just like, oh, we'll was, we'll do it. They do. They they had people down for signings. I was supposed to go down. They even said, well, you know, come on down. I you know I haven't left really my house That's that probably, much. It's probably best. <laughs> so yeah, so I had four new pieces out this year. You know, hopefully I'll get to do some more stuff next year with them. Yeah, that's uh, so. What were the pieces that you just released? A Gogru, maybe Yoda. There it is. Which I'm not allowed to call him Baby Yoda. No, I got a company-wide letter about that. We can call him oh, the, so did I. <laughs> the child, the asset, or Grogu. No. Yeah. But we could not Even, call him um, Baby Yoda. When I went down to Disney the, the first time, you know, everyone's asking, oh, do you have any Baby Yoda stuff? Baby Yoda's not me, but like one of the shops and everyone's doing the Disney point, the two-fingered yeah. guide. And they go, well, you can find the asset merchandise here or the child merchandise there. So, yeah, so very protective of, of Gogru. So I did a Gogru Olaf from Frozen. From Frozen, yeah. Hatbox Ghost from Haunted uh, Mansion. The Haunted Mansion, yeah. And a Scrooge McDuck from Mickey's Christmas Carol. Ooh, that's fun. So got to, that's a good one. Yeah, I love that. Are there that, car- that's my favorite? Did you get to pick those, or did yeah. they, or are they like this is who you got? So were those those were your choices, right? Those are my choices. Sometimes you're kind of guided towards something, mm-hmm. and it's 
it's usually because they'll need, you know, to fill a merchandise spot or something. But the Scrooge piece I'd, I'd been wanting to do for a long time, but there was never really like, oh, well, we're not sure. But then Disney Plus launched and it became a really highly streamed movie. So I got a little bit more freedom. It's surprising what you're allowed to work on and what they really don't want you to work on. Like, I've always wanted to do a Winnie the Pooh piece. He's off limits. Really? Why is he off yeah. limits? Do you know why? I think because the family, the the author's family still has owned some rights. And so he's, yeah, he's just, they always say he's on hold right now. And the genie from Aladdin is still on hold too. Really? That's an interesting. Robin Williams. Oh, because of likeness rights or? I think because I think he's the same thing. He owns part of the character. He had some little bit of hand and it's never been fully explained to me, but it was always like he's on hold. Well, because they, they certainly animated him to look like Robin Williams a bit. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if they're, yeah, that might be like a likeness rights thing with the family. And same thing with like Nightmare Before Christmas is one I've always wanted to do, but everything has to go through Tim Burton. And he apparently takes a very, very long time to approve anything for, for Disney. We should start that now. Oh, it's, it's just done. Start mailing, yeah. start mailing Nightmare Before Christmas to him and be like, this is cool. Do you like this? The piece is probably 70% done and it's been done for three years and I don't think anyone will ever get to see it. Wouldn't it be funny if Tim Burton turned out to be just like some random like square dude just like trying to live like a a normal Midwestern polo shirt and khakis life but he's stuck having to be the Robert Smith of animation. He outgrew that. Now he's just a dad that shops at Kohl's. Right? Like he just wants to like go to a hockey game but he can't because then he will lose 13 million dollars right like i love the idea of people being trapped in a persona yeah i always feel that way for fluffy for gabriel iglesias oh yeah like that dude is trapped because he tried to be like a regular comedian and like curse and stuff and it turned off his like the entirety of his fan base like they couldn't it's like drew carey too right i mean yeah drew carey once you get that he's trapped in those glasses yeah oh yeah he recently did like an interview about that where he's like i don't need these i these are glass now i have i got lasik yeah but but christy and i got hooked on survivor this last couple of weeks not so (laughs) bad paramount plus that that paramount plus app so we've been watching like old survivor and drew carey showed up and we were looking at his glasses and i'm like oh yeah he doesn't need those anymore because he had the lasik no and, and those are a, a relic of his time in the military. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because those are the glasses both. you get in the military. Yeah. And it's that whole thing where, like, once you're identified with something, you take it away, you risk really kind of losing your identity, which is quite odd. People get weirded out if I would go out without a hat on. I would be. Like, like no, people, yeah. assume, people assume I'm bald. By the way, people just assume I, that I'm like Bruce Willis bald because well, I just, like, uh, but I've just been wearing <laughs> hats my entire, like since I was 16 years old, I was just like, I like the hat look on me and I would just wear them all the time. And right. now people just assume that like, I just have no hair. Well, cause I'm just trying to think, I don't think I, I've maybe seen you without a hat twice. Yeah. And I think it would it would really like like startle me. It's jarring. <laughs> it's jarring to people cuz I get two things. One is I did not think you had hair. And then the other thing is this feels like a different person. Yeah. Well, that's like I got contacts and sometimes I'll I won't wear my glasses and it's really 
Chrissy's really shocked every time I show up without my glasses. She calls me contacts Yuminga and she goes, oh, you become this different person without your glasses. And I go, I just don't have my glasses. It's the same thing. But everyone's the same thing. Like, whoa, well, what's going on? One of my exes was a glasses all the time person. And when they would take them off and I was just like, oh, this is something. This is something else. This is something different. Can you see me? Because if you can't, that makes it even better. <laughs> it is funny, though, like when I when I because I, I wear the hat when I go out publicly generally speaking or when i perform it's just their custom it's it's a whole thing but then like oh, when i, I when i go thank you when i go for like <laughs> runs or when i go to the gym i also have to wear like either a headband or a hat or a bandana because i also sweat a lot and it's pepper sprays right. me so people really think that it's like this weird crutch and it's yeah. but it's more along the lines of like no it's just that this is people get weirded out when i don't and it's just become a habit it's your part of your brand i hate that that's true because I, I have such a bro vibe like it's just it is what i'm such a bro I think when we met, like one of the first things we talked about, you're like, you like UFC, right? Like you didn't even ask if I like UFC. You just yeah. looked at my general existence and were like, well, you have, oh, I do. I have the punching tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, you're, but, a big, you're a big bro. You were in the leather jacket. And, such a bro. Yeah. I was like, oh, this guy's cool. Do you, do you know how many people instinctively hate me in my worlds? Like in comedy and in geekdom, how many people are like, this guy for the rest of time it's like 90 percent of people well because i think it's because you're you know you're a mystery almost because you look like you don't belong at a comic-con but you absolutely 100 percent belong there more so than probably most and then at a comedy club everyone has the idea of what a comedian should look like and, and here comes this jerk you know it's funny too because we had when i had friend of the pod and friend of both of ours mike Choi, came on and the, mm. i think the first thing i said to him was i was like you hated me for no reason when we met and he's like yep yeah I sure I, sh I sure did and we were talking about how you had introduced us and everything like that and he needed y you to like sign off on me before he would even consider yeah. being friendly to me not even being friends with me but being friendly and i was like that is fascinating and f you for that that was one of the funniest kind of moments because i love when my worlds collide and friends meet friends who you know i don't think they would ever meet and we were at boston and <laughs> you and mike met and mike goes i hate that guy and i go oh jeff's a good dude he's a good dude he's a ball buster you know you'll have fun with him i don't even think he's i was like, no. busting his balls i think i said like oh, i like your work <laughs> And then we were just hanging out. Yeah. That's fine. But I think it's that thing where Mike is kind of guarded at some sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, the first time I met him, I was a fan of his work, but I would, I'm not going to talk to him about his work. Yeah. We sat next to each other at a show. And we just talked about football because he's a big Texas football fan. He was at the time. And that's how we became friends is just talking about stuff that wasn't something you're always talking about. That My general existence when I meet people that are artists or creators in any way is, I like your work. We got that out of the way. All right, let's have a real relationship that isn't based entirely on the fact that I like a thing you do. Because that's, yeah. that's a weird one-sided relationship. It is especially weird if you're coming in as a fan of that person. Mm -hmm. like, if you're a like if you're a fan of someone and you're constantly gushing over the work or bringing it up or how much you like this and that it becomes almost not like off-putting but you're you feel like you don't want to disappoint that person and uh, you can't be uh, uh, really honest with, with things. Agreed. Uh, you, 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 what you really need is that authenticity. And a lot of people, cause like, it's funny cause the title of the show is Jeff has cool friends. And a lot of people are like, how do you know all these people? And I'm like, well, I don't treat them like a commodity when I meet them. That really does kind of come in where it's just like, Oh, you do a thing. I also do yeah. a thing. It's not what you do. It's different, but I feel like I'm as good at what I do as you are uh, good at what you do. And somebody that works in, 
in insurance is as good at what they do. Like it's all just right. a job. And especially for me with actors, when people are like, oh my God, what's this person like? And I'm like, I don't know, man, they play make-believe for a living. They're as good at their job as you are at yours. So like, yeah. it's actually one of the things I want to do with this show. Because with Sideshow, they really wanted me to get names. They wanted me to get people yeah. that were in the world that were like big. Like if there was somebody that wasn't a name, I used to be like, I'm going to bat for this person. You need to trust me. Yeah. This is going to be a good episode. But like one of the versions I want to do of this show is called Hometown Edition. And it's just yeah. going to be like friends of mine that have like normal jobs that have chosen not to live publicly, not to put themselves out there the way that creatives have tended to do and yeah. to really sort of talk about that life and that existence. Because, like, I want to know, you know, the Sideshow wouldn't have been like, hey, you got a friend that works for the Red Cross, right? Why don't you have him on and talk to him for an hour? But, like, I can do that now because I own this f***ing show. Right. So that's what I want Yeah, to like, my best friend for most of my life is the complete opposite of me. You know, he went to law school. He has a job in insurance. But he is one of the funniest and most interesting people I know just based on life experiences. So we'll talk every once in a while about, like, oh, what are you working on? He'll ask me, what are you working on? Oh, did you ever get to meet so-and-so? I think that's interesting, but I'm really interested in like corporate life because I never get that exposure. So I'm like always like, so what do you do for lunch? And like, yeah. what's it like at a, a Zoom meeting? And so it's kind of funny. And I'd love to see you interview like a guy that works at a warehouse. Yeah. Like, like a, buddy, a buddy from Framingham who works at Bose. Yeah, like that, that to me is fascinating and to see where those conversations go. Because like I also get a lot like when I go home, I get a lot of people like my friends that I graduated. With, I mean, we're all in our late 30s and some are in their early 40s. Mm. And they'll be like, man, you're living the dream, man. You're doing it. Like, what's that like? And they really want to know what it's like. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know, man. What's it like owning a house? Yeah. Like, what's it like having financial security? What's it like having a 401k and a family and all these things that I have not, right. I have chosen to not allow for myself at this point in time because before, and most people know this, but if you are new to the show, before I started being an entertainer at 30, I was a teacher for nine years. Crazy. You know, that was like a decade of me being a teacher. I was married. I had a house. And then I, I was like, I don't want this. It's bad for me. It's not fun. It's not good we're going to leave. So I have that idea and I sac I willingly sacrificed that. Like I knew yeah. going in, I have four to five revenue streams right now. And I make about two thirds of what I made as a teacher. So that, you know, that the is the idea too, is like, I knew that about you. I knew you were married and you were a teacher. I can't wrap my head around that Jeff, because I can't imagine your personality, like how I know you being that confined. It was not as different as you'd think. Okay. And probably why it's best that I'm not teaching anymore is because there was a lot of that authenticity of the way I explain things would have been the same. I just had to be like PG-13 about it. And realistically, they were like, you can't say hell. I'm like, well, we're teaching religion. So like, right. I'm got, like, you need to treat these eighth graders like they're eighth graders, not like they're Did you teach graders. at a public school or? Yeah, a, yeah. A I taught in my hometown. I taught in my grandfather's the, old land. Did you teach at the school you went to? No, it didn't exist at the, oh. uh, when I was in eighth grade. So the, the okay. Charlton Middle School where I taught was built, it started building while I was in high school and it was finished while I was in college. I graduated college and immediately got a job. Now, they built wow. that on land that my grandfather sold to the town. So I was literally teaching in my backyard. And nice. I thought that I was like, oh, like, so I'm just going to be like, be here for the rest of my life. 
Yeah. And then yeah. eventually I got that kind of like bell from Beauty and the Beast. I want much more than this provincial life kind of a vibe where I was like, oh, I'm uh, not happy. I'm super comfortable and very well off and yeah. miserable. Yeah. I that was my experience. Like I went to college and I was going to do communications and then I was going to, I thought about being a teacher oh, and I did great because I thought, thanks man. I was going to teach history. I like history. That's what I did. See, look at that. And yeah, I found myself just like being miserable. Like, what am I going to do? Why do I want to do this? And then I just decided I'm going to do art. And that really upset my family because how are you going to make money? How are you going to support yourself? My sister was in law school. My other sister was becoming, uh, getting her master's in social work. And here I am trying to figure out how to make money off of my drawings. Your pitches. Yeah. My pitches. It took a long time, a lot of sacrifice. Like you said, like I had friends who were buying houses and getting new cars. And, and here I am. I'm like, well, oh, I can, I'm going to sell this for a hundred bucks. That's amazing. And then that would get me going. And then as things start to steamroll, you know, it took a long time for me to be like, okay, yeah, you made the right decision. Do you, Even now, I still worry. Well, I was going to ask about that because you were like, oh, I was going to be miserable. But like, do you get miserable still with this job sometimes? I think with, with anything, you go through ruts mm -hmm. where you're just not happy and you, you have a lot of self-doubt. Like you doubt yourself a lot. Mm -hmm. Like you do some work and you think it's amazing and you think it's going to lead to something else. And, and it goes quiet for a while. And you're just like, what, what am I doing wrong? You know, do I need to change things up? And then you, you change things up and it just doesn't feel real it doesn't feel natural and then you have people around you saying don't do that go back to what makes you happy and drawing so the sad thing is like you know as an artist and I'm sure as a comedian you're by yourself a lot and you're in your head most of the day and um, <laughs> you know you work on something that you're so proud of and sometimes it doesn't get the response you want or you go you go back and you look at something you spent like two months working on and you just hate it yeah. so uh -huh. there's a lot of torture in it but god I, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else nor do i think i would want to and i sacrificed like a lot of creative people like family gatherings and you know vacations and all that stuff because yeah i had to go do a convention so i could yeah, pay, pay my health insurance you know? yeah i get a lot of like there are things too where like there's stuff that i'm just i can't go to like i remember yeah. i had a friend that had like a destination wedding and i was just like have fun but like i can't i don't have three thousand dollars to yeah. do that i have bills and expenses and things like that that don't i don't have vacation time people ask a lot about getting into stand-up and podcasting and they want advice and i'm like well you know there's your standard technical advice you know make sure you have a plan but also the advice they give like be willing to work for free for four years yeah be willing to constantly eat shit as you're learning things be willing to learn how to find those things out while you're failing because people i think don't understand the trial and error the way that kids might have a better understanding of because when you're starting something like podcasting or stand up as an adult you're used to having already been pretty good at things because the la when right. was the last time you learned a new life skill? You know, when you're 28, you know, you're like, well, the last time I learned something was nine years ago or something like that. So that- It's, it's, it's crazy because there's, the world is evolving so fast. You know, it's Twitch and this and that. And you do have to take a minute to realize, man, I need to learn this or I'm gonna get left behind. The amount of texts I have that are like, we got to figure out how to stream on Twitch. And and I think the, the text I got, it was from my friend and partner, Adam Todd Brown, where he, he just said, a lot of people much stupider than us know how to do it. I'm sure we can figure it out. 
And I go, I want to do a Twitch. And I want my, and I yeah. love watching Jim Lee draw on Twitch. Like, I just discovered it and it's become this thing that I, I'm constantly listening to and watching. I like his setup and then I'll go watch someone else's setup and it, it looks like a, a slot machine. There's so many like little streams on the bottom and there's bells and whistles. And I go, I have no idea how to do that. I have yeah, this is zero idea. There's an intensity. And I think Jim Lee is just like, I don't need this. So, like, it's, like, it's very just, calming to, to watch and listen to him draw. I would think so. It's funny. One of my friends is his neighbor. So I'll like drive by his castle sometimes. And I'm like, man, all that from drawing the Punisher for a while and then getting X-Men. That is bananas. Like to see like the where people's careers have gone in comics and in art to be like, oh, so you just were like, because he left med school. You know, he was he was a medical student left. Thank God he got those anatomy classes. And then sure as like now he's like basically like the CEO of DC Comics. I'm not, he's not, but you know what I'm saying? One of the Um, big bosses. Big guy. What are. I watched an old interview. Sorry. I watched an old interview with him. God, probably, you know, right after he left school with Stan Lee. Oh, from the the old VHS tapes. Yeah, and it was great. And I'm just like, I went down a whole Jim Lee rabbit hole one night and I'm just watching everything and. I always liked his stuff, but I didn't know much about him. I've actually never met him. I really liked his work, and I thought, it's a really smart guy. And then you go back and you hear him speak, and you understand like the position that he's in now. Just He's a yeah. hard worker. Startlingly tiny. I was not expecting that. I walked by him in Baltimore, and he got terrified because yeah. he knew that I recognized him. Yeah. Because like I kind of like was like, you know, uh. oh, Jim Lee. Yeah. And then he, so I could see like he got a little wide-eyed, and I was just like, I just nodded, yeah. and I'm like, you're, don't worry. You're, it's fine. You're safe. I'm not going to be happy to me twice. It. Really? With whom? Like, yeah. First time was with Umberto Ramos. Oh, he's great. I have a piece of art by him. Oh, I love Umberto. He was like one of the first people I ever showed my portfolio to. Oh, cool. Back when you could just go up to him and say, hey, what do you think? And he gave me some really good advice. And, and then uh, one time <laughs> we were at a restaurant and Chrissy loves bringing this up. We were having sushi and he walked in and I just went, oh, like I had a oh, moment. Lucky enough now where, uh, you know, we see each other and we just nod because we've seen each other now so many times. And, and the other time was uh, Greg Capullo. He's an interesting guy. He lo- he may have confessed to a crime to me <sighs> and my friend Josh and his wife at the same time to us. And I'm not going to blow up his spot on that one, but it was like so fascinating to hear. Yeah, I would love to hear. Just, you got to tell me that story. Uh, once we cut, I will absolutely tell you that. Now, funny story too is like, I, I do like having those like, huh, there's just yeah. like LA, you get that a lot where it's people you recognize, <clears throat> but you don't know where. And then yeah. you remember it's like, oh, you're the mayor from the Dark Knight trilogy. And you're like, that's that's how I know you. That's the thing. It's funny. I wanted to say on Umberto Ramos' story, I was at Wizard World Philly. And this was, I had yeah. had a couple of students with me at the time. The dad slash uncle, because they were two cousins, brought them. And I was like, I'll show them around if you just chaperone them if you're there, you know, yeah. so it's not weird and creepy. Like, I'll do it, you know. So he texts the dad, texted me while we were in a panel. And he's like, hey, bring me your sketchbooks. I made friends with a guy. And we were like, okay. And then so it was my, I believe my wife at the time took our sketchbooks and brought them to the dad because we stayed in the panel. And then the guy was Humberto Ramos and he just did sketches for me and all the kids. So I have like a Spider-Man by him just in my sketchbook just for free. Just a, he's like, I met a nice guy at the bar or wherever he was, you know, just wherever. He was the first artist I, I ever got a sketch from. Really? Yeah. He did a Joker for me. Just like. Oh, that's pretty rad. 
yeah, he just that's another one I got from. Oh, I see it right. Yeah, so in the video, yeah, it's right behind you. I did uh, my first artist that I got a sketch from was Kyle Baker, and it was of Isaiah from Truth because it was right when Truth had come out, which Falcon and the Winter Soldier out now, and I don't know if you've been watching it, but that character is is sort of cycling back. So it's interesting to see, but he did a sketch of that character for me because he was the artist of that book when it had come out. That's awesome. And I I still have that. I wish I had collected more art when I was first starting, but I didn't have the money. Like I didn't have the money to go and get like, but then as things go, like you get your grail pieces and you get pieces from artists you really like. And so I'm I'm pretty happy now as my, my collection is slowly growing. I've done well for the collection of art that I have and how much I've paid for it. And not necessarily to like, I got this great deal. It was just like, as I was talking to people and being like, I like you. And so I'd be like, man, I like you. Like, I I like your art, but I like you. And I would love to have something from you. And like, for some reason, I would always get undercharged or just not charged at all. Yeah. So I have some pieces by like Michael Turner, Steve Dillon, Darwin Cook that were all free that were just like, oh, yeah, man. Hell yeah. And I was Michael just, Turner was awesome. He was such a nice guy. I have a Supergirl yeah. from him that I got back in like 2004. That was great. That was one of my like one of my nicest memories at a convention was like before the show opened. There's this big uh, store. It's called Labyrinth, and they have all these different art books. And I was like just there before the show started. I'm looking through all these art books, and and uh, I see a guy standing next to me. I know it's Michael Turner. Like I'm you know yeah. I'm not gonna like geek out or bother him. So we're just looking at books and. Then, he like showed me a book. He's like, "Hey man, look at this book. Isn't this really great?" And I'm just like, "Holy shit. yeah, this is really cool." And then we spent like a good 20 minutes, didn't introduce ourselves to each other, but just showing each other these art books that we really liked. And it just ended that way. And I was just like, "Man, what a nice yeah, just a, just another artist or just got someone excited about art, just wants to talk to someone about art." Just a genuine, like a genuine dude. Because there are yeah. some people that I've met where I was just like, "Oh, you're an." And I don't care how good you are. I don't want yep. anything from you. There's something to be said about that, which yeah, is disappointing. Just, yeah. When you meet somebody and you're like, oh, f- you all the way. Like, and it, sometimes it's gotten to the point where I've just been like, I don't want to buy anything that that person does anymore. Yeah. Like I've had that experience. It, it's disappointing. I was with uh, my friend, Matt, Matt Fletcher, great artist. And he was a, a big fan. Yeah. It's a good dude. And we were at a show and he was a big fan of this artist and he's just standing there waiting to get something signed and to buy a print. Yeah. And that artist would not look up at him at all. But when a, a bigger collector came over, that artist popped too, shook his hand, talk, just would not look. And then, you know, after the collector left, he sat down, just went back to drawing. And then when, their helper came back that's when the helper would help matt and by that time matt was like no i'm good i think i could guess who that was and i'm not going to say the name out loud but afterwards i'm going to say it is the first name like an initial by any chance no no okay all right i was just wondering because i know i know you know i know some people that have sort of been like that and i think sometimes this does sort of cycle back to your previous story of like you never know what someone's bringing with them. Yeah. And you might, cause I've had experiences where I was like, oh, this guy, he was kind of a dick. And then like the person who was like one of the talent wranglers for Marvel was like, oh, this person's not a dick. So I don't know what happened, but there must be something going on. And I'm actually going to check on him because like there was somebody who was like famously nice. That was like a complete yeah. dick. And he's like, that doesn't sound like this person at all. After that experience, we found out, yeah, this person's not a nice guy. Really? Unless you're in his group. 
And that's unfortunate because then the total opposite would be someone like Phil Noto, who oh, yeah. I think is the, is the nicest guy, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Zero ego, one of the most talented people I've ever met. Yeah, he's a great just illustrator, a just a killer oh, illustrator. So, so great and so helpful. Same with Sean Galloway, Cheeks. Cheeks, yeah. That guy has made a career out of being amazingly nice. Like, I love Cheeks because he helped me out with something that he didn't have to. Like, he knew me for, you know, a week. And then mm. he's, you know, helping me figure this thing out that was really important. I love him and I owe him. And that's why it's great when you do meet people that are truly fantastic people and they blow your expectations away. And mm. it cancels out the, you know, every once in a while you run into a, someone that's not that great. And those experiences, I think, shape how we interact with people. And I yeah. think there's something to be said about that. That is a perfect sort of explanation of how you should be treating your fans, which is, <laughs> I know what it's like to be burned, and I know what it's like to feel accepted, both by people that I like both by people yeah. that I am personally a fan of. And so I'll, like, I meet fans, especially back when stand-up was legal and I was traveling and people <laughs> would geek out and, yeah. and I'd be like, this is weird, but okay. I recognize and understand. I have a small fan base, but they are very rabid That's and they're, cool. they're really, really supportive, really strong. It's, it's the reason I can pay my bills right now. And they'll be like, you're a lot nicer than I expected you to be because of your how you sort of deliver lines on stage or how you deliver your lines in a podcast. You're much nicer. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, that's thank you. Like, I exist in part because of you. Like, yeah. I'd still be making art, just, but I wouldn't be making money without you. It's like I'm so thankful for people that support me. Uh, sometimes it's overwhelming, like the life I get to lead because people are so generous. And it's the same thing. Like you meet somebody at a show or whatever, and you want to treat them the way that you would want to be treated, you yeah. know? And, and some people click, like you immediately have a bond with people that they're buying a print from you, but they become real friends. Like we just did the Godzilla screening and we brought our friend Brandon, who I met because he bought art for me and we became really, really good friends. Kyle, Kyle Wright, one of our friends. Kyle Wright, fantastic. He works in, in film. Yeah, cinematographer. He's and, a great uh, cinematographer. Camera operator. Yeah, he's another one. Like That's why I love that, and I really miss doing conventions is because you do create this family on the road and you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to click with, who's going to come to your birthday dinner or who's going to go to the, like I've invited, you know, I did a signing at Disney once and this one guy who messaged me on Instagram asked me if I could bring this thing to sign brought it. And I was like, man, let's go have lunch. Yeah. And, and then, that, and what do you create from there is you create a bond. You create a friendship out of a fandom. It's the same thing. Like, I don't care if you ever buy anything else from me. Like you're a friend, you're a buddy. Like we, yeah. we have this respect for each other. Like, I, I bought a sketch from you. You no, did. I would never charge you now. But I did. You did a vivisector from Ecstatics in my oh, Ecstatics wow. sketchbook. And this was earlier in your, what I would call professional career. This was probably, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to guess like 10 or 11 years ago or something like that. Didn't, didn't you have, you had a Captain America, like you drew your own Captain America sketchbook where he was giving everybody the finger or something? Oh, I, I did. There was a while I had my own sketchbook where it was just superheroes being really rude. Where it was, I just had superheroes as being pricks. And it was just what I would do when I was bored at a con. I would just be like, what if I did a, a prick version of Batman? What would he be doing? He'd be pissing off a building onto somebody. Why not? Like we sit next to Ron Lim every year at San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. And I, I, look, I love Ron. I was a big fan of Ron. But again, I'm not going to be like, hey, you're Ron Lim. So it's great because Ron brings his family and his son Brandon's like always sits next to me. Like 
he sits at the table and his son always draws pictures for me every year. So I have a stack now going back five years of Rosalind's son. You know, he always asked me, what do you want me to draw? And one year it's like, oh, draw me Mitch McConnell. And he drew me a picture, picture of Mitch McConnell. That's, I love it so much. I do like that. But that, that ties to the sort of family of, yeah. of the world that we're in. And that fandom is in itself a family. It, it is. And even to the point where you argue <clears throat> with your family. Mm-hmm. And you don't always agree, but you will always stand up for that family. Which it's, I think and is- it's crazy how your, we always call like our convention family changes over the years. Mm-hmm. You're really close to someone and then the same thing you argue with them and you're like, I don't need to be around you now. But then there's someone else there that you get to meet and you're, you get super close with and that's like, I think like anything, like everyday life, you're close to someone, you know, you, you distance themselves and you allow yourself to just open up to somebody else. And, yeah. and that's part of the reason, like this whole world is is great. This sounds like advice. This, this sounds like you're like, hey man, get back on the horse. <laughs> I was definitely like, what are you trying to tell me? Right. It's so funny. Like my no. life has changed so much in the past six months and I'm just sitting there like I've lost 30 pounds. Dude, uh, you're a beast now, man. Which is, like, it, it's nuts. Well, none of my clothes fit now. Like none of my clothes fit. I have like nine things total in my wardrobe that fits. So now like I'll be wearing like a t-shirt now and it's loose. So like I start like sweating wrong and I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. Like, why is my body doing this? You know, between that and like- this, Is this your way of like dealing with the pandemic too, or just like keeping your mind sharp and occupied on something else or the, the reason sort of I've made these major shifts, couple of things. Number one, the pandemic hit and it was very hard and it, it played a very massive toll on my last relationship to the point where it kind of shattered me a bit. And so around August, after things really started falling apart, I started to attack all the things I said I could not do for the past 20 years or so. Like anytime I'm like Like running, like running, I always convince myself I can't run. Even when I was a fighter, I just jumped rope. I wouldn't run. So I was like, well, this, I'm going to run. So I started running and it was like, I think the first run I did was like half of a mile to three quarters of a mile. And I was like, oh, fuck it, dude. And now it's like I do a, a minimum 5K every day. Except, you know, sometimes I take an off day because that's important too. Well, I um, love like on your Instagram, your off days. You know when it's you took an off day because the next day you're like, I can't believe I ate a pizza last night. And, uh. I mean, I no, I never say I can't believe. I'm always yeah. just like, I took an off day and that's fine. And I ate garbage yeah. and that's fine. That's well, I sent an- you a box of funny bones. You sure did. And I ate the shit out of those things you Uh, can't find those out there no for those of you that don't know drake's funny bones are an east coast delight it is essentially a devil's food twinkie filled with a peanut butter cream and coated with a chocolate frosting and they are the nectar of the gods they are just absolute they're so good they're so good but yeah like i think that in this sort of like i hate to say the fitness journey as I'm going through, I try to remind people because there are people that are sort of inspired. I wouldn't keep posting stupid ass Instagram videos if people didn't tell me they were important. Yeah. But I try to tell people, I'm like, look, man, this is f-ing hard and I don't like it, but I do it. Sometimes I stumble. Sometimes I cheat and I eat foods that I shouldn't eat. And that's OK. Like, that's fine. You're supposed to enjoy life while you are prolonging right. it, you know, because if you prolong just a shitty, miserable life, what's the point? Like, why would I? miserable yeah it's just like i have another day where i only eat broccoli like i would die if that was the case i i ran yesterday last night i had cadbury mini eggs i had a bunch of chocolate oh i love a cadbury mini egg oh i got the internet mad at me the other day i said that because i said that that easter candy 
is better than Halloween candy. Oh, and we awful. need to accept it. And I think the Halloween nerds got so yeah. offended at the idea of that. And instead of actually looking at it objectively, you know what? And being Thinking like, Thinking about it, you might be right. Halloween candy is just candy, it's just normal candy. Well, so what you got to do is you have to wipe out the concept of the normal candy. So like right. you can get Easter Snickers, you can get Halloween Snickers. Easter so you, you eliminate right. those. Yeah. So eliminate yeah. those, take them off the table. And what are you left with? So now we can talk about like the comparison of like a Reese's egg versus a Reese's pumpkin or a Reese's bat or something. The egg wins every time. The Reese's egg is the yeah. is the premium Reese's offering. It is the absolute. Well, what about Peeps? Okay. So I would say that Peeps and candy corn cancel each other out oh jeff they, they are equally as polarizing yeah. is what i'm like well, not like people who like circus peanuts i like circus peanuts sorry wow sorry i mean I, you know what do you want me to say i'm sorry some people no, like it some people don't i'm pretty neutral on peeps i despise candy corn but then so like cadbury mini eggs cadbury cream eggs russell stover makes a raspberry whip egg that is f-ing unbelievable i know dove dove used to make a little truffle egg yeah they're great it's just like, it's the superior, it's the quality of candy over the quantity of candy that you get from Halloween. I mean, cause you still get stuff like, oh, it's a gumball that looks like an eye. Awesome. It's a gumball. Yeah. Oh, it's sweet tarts bones as opposed to sweet tarts and bunnies and ducks or whatever. I think Easter Dang, just changed my mind. Yeah. Now I am going to say, I did not say anything about the quality of the holiday itself. All mm. I am, I'm not saying that the decor is better, you know, but pe- I got oh, so yeah. many people that were just like, how could you say that? And I'm like, go listen to the cure about it. I don't care. That's not the point. It's not the argument that I made. You're arguing yeah. a different thing. Easter candy is the superior quality of candy that's so all. A, okay so what's your favorite food holiday my favorite food holiday yeah i mean you know, some it, people say i like easter because the ham or this and that well we were always a turkey family so yeah. our thanksgiving and easter dinners and same. to a lesser extent even christmas as well were always the same and they were f-ing dope so easter to me would be that because it's also I'm getting candy, but I'm not vomiting candy, which is sort of how I have no impulse control when it comes to that. I actually suffer from what's called compulsive overeating, which is a real blast of an eating disorder to have. Yeah. It explains a lot about me. When you know that about me and you know that I have that eating disorder, people are like, oh, yeah, okay, I see it. But yeah, so like on Halloween, I'd get sick every time because I couldn't control the influx. Yeah. But what are some polarizing candies that you like or foods? What are the foods that you like where people are like, how, like for me, circus peanuts or mounds bar? I I with a mounds bar like a champion, dude. See, I don't like, I like Almond Joy. Yeah. My dad liked Almond Joy. So that was like, you know, we would split. He'd get one piece, I get another piece. Pickle juice. Like, I love pickle juice. I used to have to drink pickle juice for a fight. It's great. It hydrates you. It's it's like mega Gatorade. Yeah. Chrissy's disgusted because I'll, I'm addicted to pickles. Like, I will go through them. Like, nothing. Just drink the juice. But other than that, like, yeah, I'm not, I don't really, celery. I really love celery. I don't mind celery. I'm not going to lie. I like a celery. There are things like I'll go to a store and sometimes I'll impulse buy like a Mounds bar and I literally mm-hmm. have to like blow the dust off of it. Like that's a weird thing where first off I'm like, you guys aren't dusting the shitty candy. But on top like, of that, I'm, people are just like, it's been there for so long and nobody's fucking buying them. And I'm like, hell yeah. You remember it being really good. And then you're like, oh my God, I have to, I haven't had this in forever. I'm going to get it. And it's disgusting. Well, I have the mom's meatloaf theory, which is that why people are always fiercely defensive of their 
the hometown chain food we're like mm. so like in la everybody's like in and out burger is the best and it's like uh, it's, it is it's fine it's perfectly no. fine it's a fine it's the best. three dollar burger you're wrong but everybody says <laughs> it's the best there i could point you to three better chains in la that are better not even independent spots smash burger fat burger what for a one burger? fat burger is i would put fat burger scores above in and out but anyway so i'm always like why do people love in and out so much and then i think about how i go to bat for friendlies all the time which friendlies oh. is a is a new england chain and yeah, i was just yeah. like well, yeah but i grew up with that and i have good memories yeah. of that so if i eat something at friendlies i am eating that nostalgia of my childhood yeah. that other people aren't privy to so like if i have somebody somebody that was born in California and I take them home. I'm like, you have to try friendlies and I take yeah. them there and they're like, here's the thing. This is not that good. And I'm like, ah, that, yeah. that makes sense. Actually. Yeah. This is my, it's, you it's can't taste my childhood. It's a fun idea going to friendlies and then you go to friendlies and you're like, man, I could have had a much better meal, but it's that nostalgia factor. Now, dude, trust me. I'm big on nostalgia. Yeah. Like you're eating your childhood memories and that's so goddamn satisfying. But if somebody doesn't have those memories, then you might as well yeah. just then everything's an Applebee's, you know, like everything is just average at best. Well, that's why, like, I miss traveling because, you know, I haven't traveled mm-hmm. for so long now is going to new cities and like being like, you have to try this place. Like, this is the best. When I moved across the country, I drove and I got really excited to drive through the South to sample like all the like independent barbecue spots and all this. Mm. I couldn't find anything that wasn't a chain. Like the whole like the whole trip through Texas. I couldn't find a non chain. I ended up eating it like this, like real greasy spoon of a diner because I couldn't, which I liked, but I couldn't find anything that wasn't a Chili's. Or a Whataburger or like it was all chains. And I was like, this is I don't need was to like, eat, eat at A and W all the time. Like really disappointing. The first time I went to North Carolina, like I had a list like I want to eat at Mertz's Bojangles. Bojangles is Popeyes. It's just a different name. But there's that thing where like, oh, we don't have uh Carl's Jr. here, so I'm gonna try a Carl's Jr. And it's still disgusting. Yeah. Like, you still feel gross. You're like, oh, this is just um, Hardee's. But there's a chain in North Carolina called Cookout. I don't know if you've ever had it. I don't think I have. It's, it's a burger place. It's, it's almost like an In-N-Out, but yeah. it, it's it's the one that I would almost put on par with In-N-Out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my brother like, lived in North Carolina. I used to go every summer, and I really loved oh. it, but I'd never been there. I like Cheerwine. They're uh, like localized soda. It's just cherry soda, but it's so goddamn tasty. That's the other thing, too. Like You go to these different parts of the country, and they have different soda, different beer like that you can't get. Like I remember... Cheer wine was a big one. And, I remember people um, used to always be like, bring back Yingling when I would go to yeah. like Philly and stuff like that. And they'd be like, bring back Yingling. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to put cases of beer on my six hour drive home that's packed with and I don't need a thousand dollars worth of comic book crap to have your six dollar beer spilled all beer. over it. I don't need this. That's why I used to love going to California because there's a bigger Filipino community out there. there oh, so you Filipino. could hit up Jollibee, yeah. Jollibee, and I'd be able to get like, you know, Filipino beers and certain yeah. snacks. And, and then I would get, the, oh, can you bring me back Jollibee? I'm like, how am I supposed to bring you back Jollibee on a flight? You want fast food spaghetti? Jollibee, Dude, I, I, just, I love Jollibee. Because I don't like the food, but I love Jollibee because Jollibee is, in my opinion, what the Filipino culture thinks American culture is. And that to me is like the it's like a museum of weird fast food. And I absolutely yeah. love that. It's also a mixture of army culture being that it makes know, sense. Yeah. Meatballs is 
you know, my dad would make this all the time and just a lot of Filipinos probably still make it. It's spaghetti, the worst sauce you can think of, like a ragu or yeah, even yeah, yeah, lower yeah. quality. Yeah. And hot dogs, you cut up hot dogs. And, you know, and then you learn that's what the U.S. That's Army had, had, yeah. We, you know, would make and give out. Well, that's why spam is so popular in the Pacific because it was pushed on the Pacific by the continental U.S. It was li- literally pushed there and poison the pacific oh, islands so good. see it's it's there <laughs> it's are awful if there are foods that i can say are literal poison that's like right up there on the top of that hmm. where it's just you basically created diabetic colonies not you you know america by doing that no. because they they were like well it's, we don't want it here put it somewhere else well it's also that thing where you know my dad grew up very poor you, you ate what you could get and and unfortunately, it's still like that now. It's like you get lower quality food because that's what you really only have access to. And and it's that nostalgia thing. Like you never had spam before, and you give someone spam, they're not. They've heard of it. They've. It tastes like it tastes like ham toothpaste. Well, you gotta fry it really hard and then yeah. eat it with rice. And that's that's a Filip- a rice eggs and spam is a, is a like Filipino a, like rice. a musabi or something like that. Or a, yeah. <laughs> well, even like you know, I, I know people who've never had fluff. Fluff and marshmallow fluff that's yeah. a very new england, a new england thing yeah, yeah a fluff and nutter yeah and i never thought of it as being such a new england thing i thought everybody had it and then you talk to someone like i never heard of it the fact that we have convinced ourselves in new england that a fluff nutter was a meal is insane to me because that is yeah. dessert that is a thousand oh, percent dessert and we were just like what do you want for lunch you want a fluff nutter you want an ice cream sundae on bread like that that was it now i know i yeah. honestly could talk to you forever but yeah, uh, i have to pay for this to get edited no okay <laughs> i pay him by the hour no it's so much fun having you on here yeah man. Uh, we'll talk you me. are one of my favorite people on the planet tell everybody where they can find you on the internet instagram is probably your best bet and that's at yuminga 720 i go on twitter every once in a while but yeah i post a lot of work on instagram and tumblr i think you have to as you know make content every day and and i'm finishing up a a dream project now and that's been occupying my life for the past year so say it out um, loud what is it (laughs) i wish i could i wish i could only one other person knows what it is i'm guessing that's chrissy yeah chrissy because i lost my i lost my when? <laughs> I'm going to have her on the next show and I'm just going to. Oh, she already like we talked about it this morning and she's like, I do horribly on these. I go, Chris, you do. You're so good on interviews and one on ones. Oh, is she nervous? Because I did plan on hitting her up at some point in time. She's uh, every time we're approached to do anything like yeah. where we have to talk. She gets nervous because I don't know. But she's always wonderful. She's so good on them. There's a reason that I book my friends. It's because I'm like, yeah, I don't. I want you to be comfortable with this conversation. I don't want anybody to be like, I don't know you, and this is weird. No, it's. I think we all have like a little bit of social anxiety. Sure. Because we're always so isolated. Yeah. But you know, it's once you see the person and you're talking, everything kind of mellows out, and it doesn't matter who the person is. One of my favorite experiences when we did the podcast in New York, the sideshow. Oh, the sideshow, man! That was such a uh, that was a real fun panel. I I really got bummed that everything fell apart with the pandemic and stuff because I had yeah, already your San Diego one, right? My San Diego one, I had already pre-booked. Art Adams, Joyce Chin, John Lehman from, you know, Chew, if you've read Chew and, and everything like that. And I, I had a couple Chew. other surprises that were ready to go that were just going to blow people away. And then, hey, everything fell apart and then Sideshow disappeared. But for me, <laughs> they're still huge. And Chris Yuminga, you are such an amazing talent and such a great friend. And I'm so excited Thanks, to have man. had you on here. Thank you so much. I'm so the- happy for you that you get to do this. And you I know, know right? I'm really excited for you. man. It, fe- it feels good. It feels good. 
And I got my Jeff May shirt coming. Oh, did you get one? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I got I got a I baseball shirt coming. I got that coming. It's a whole ass thing. I got sticker. I got stickers. I'm just like really excited to to see what you're gonna do and for you to dictate, you know, your content my own terms, and what, yeah, and what you want to do, yeah. And not bringing the edge about criticizing uh, a product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't you can't say that Batman Forever wasn't a good movie. I'm like, but what if it wasn't? Mm. But that being said, everybody definitely check out Chris Uminga. He's such a, an amazing talent and a good person, worthy of Thank your you. eyes and ears. Uh, of course, if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Hey There Jeffro on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, of course, if you are listening to this for free, get your ass over to Patreon.com/slash Jeff May. And while you're there, hit up Gamefully unemployed so you can hear tom and jeff watch batman every week and hit up patreon.com slash unpops for the unpopular opinion network you can hear great shows like you don't even like sports the sports podcast for people who don't like sports uh, with me and adam todd brown as well as all that chris i love you thank you so much for revisiting with me and i can't wait to pull you on to another show i can't wait thanks buddy see you in person pal i love you forever thank you all for listening you are the best bye bye guys Hey everyone, our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.